0: Welcome, once again, to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds... Hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's dive in. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. What we're going to be discussing is the topic of rent relief in the post-pandemic office environment. You may be hearing that title and saying, oh, wow, another coronavirus episode. Well, yes, and this goes to something that's been at my intersection of my brilliance and my passion for, well, nigh 20 years now. In other words, almost my entire post-college professional career, uh, both the part where I work for companies and the larger portion where I've been an entrepreneurial business leader, the changes in the office environment, the extent to which people report to offices to work and how that's going to impact changes in the workplace, changes in the real estate function behind that because you need to buy and lease a space. We're going to cover a bunch of stuff. And to help guide us through that, we have somebody who who I'm very excited to be able to say I can relate to on a first name basis. His name is Adam Collins. And let me tell you about Adam. I hear you laughing, man. Adam is a managing director at MGA, which is a full service real estate advisory firm focused on caring For the needs of all types of users of commercial real estate. Adam is responsible for identifying and representing existing and expanding nonprofits, professional services, technology, and startup companies throughout the DMV. He is an expert when it comes to real estate office space and has worked with office users spanning from small, economically appealing subleases to full building users in the heart of downtown Washington, D.C., one of my favorite cities in the world. Adam's focus solely on tenant representation has allowed him to gain a deep understanding of the needs of a business owner oh my i didn't even notice this i'm a penn stater adam's a penn oh. Stater with the bs in economics I'm a, i was a i was a ba in political science uh he currently holds his real estate license in dc va and md which is washington dc virginia in Maryland. Uh, I love that area. I used to visit there all the time when I lived on the East Coast. Uh, one of my best friends from college lives in Alexandria, Virginia. Love the place. And I got to say that one place where Adam and I are different is I don't have a real estate license, at least not at this time. So Adam Collins, my fellow Penn Stater, come on in. The weather's fine.
1: All right. Well, first of all, uh, we are
0: Penn State.
1: There it is, Now I'll say,
0: th- I'll say thank you. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs>
1: I was—I uh, I know that cheer all too well. I was actually a, a cheerleader at Penn State for uh, for four years while I was there. So I'm—wow—a uh, little Penn State pride, and uh, it's always great to talk to another Nittany Lion.
0: Yeah, and a man I can relate to on a first name basis. <laughs> I'll probably bring that up like four or five more times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We got a right. lot in common.
0: So let's, uh, so let's, before we dive into this topic, and there are so many questions I have about this, and I know this is something that's pertinent to some of our users as well, not only because of the COVID thing, but just in general, the shifts between working in an office and working from home, and some of the things that are involved in that. You're going to help us with some of the practical elements of making this happen. Before we do that, uh, let's take a quick step back. And tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. I read off your bio, but tell me a little bit more about the story. Yeah,
1: um, so I I got interested in real estate uh, quite a while ago, back when I was in high school. And um, the interest came from, you know, my family's been in the Alexandria, Virginia area for uh, maybe 125 maybe 150 years. And, um, and they've left quite a mark on, on the entire uh, community. And it was always one of those things where you try and figure out the way that, you know, how can I help people, but also how could I, uh, you know, do something more than just pushing papers or more than just, you know, creating, uh, Something out of nothing, right? I wanted to have a tangible effect on the community that I could really right. see, and I so that that's really where real estate got started. And, and it didn't help or didn't hurt that uh, also reading the uh, the Forbes top 100 list, all of them had real estate as one of their sources of wealth. And so that got me considering, I'm like, what does this word real estate mean outside of the real estate agent that my parents bought their house from? Uh, and so you know, I just. I I just dove in, right. Um, took a look at, you know, opportunities between real estate investment trusts and, you know, uh, house flipping and uh, real estate investors or residential. I I looked at all types of real estate, uh, and as a profession when I was in, uh, in like college kind of, you know, just browsing the internet and, uh, met a gentleman who, who who owned a commercial real estate brokerage firm uh, and I, I was volunteering with his charity. Uh, and through that, you know, I just started talking to him and, and interned with him, shadowed him, walked around and, and, and figured out this is actually a pretty cool life. And it's something that you can really end up helping not only small business owners, but also big businesses. And and, and when you can really align a business's real estate strategy with uh, their business objectives and their goals, uh, it's pretty cool at, at what that does for a company, whether it's, uh, you know, giving them a negotiate enough free rent to, to allow them to launch a new product or to hire a new employee. Um, you know, there's different ways that you can get creative and really leverage real estate, whether it's buying or selling. So I, I was just fascinated by that, by the creativity of it. Um, and, and that's kind of what led me to the job, but also keeps me in it is, is really the 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 creativity aspect of it and how
0: uh, every day is unique and there's always a different problem to solve. That's awesome. And what I find interesting is how you found your way into this very interesting niche of helping companies rent or buy, I guess, real estate for their businesses, office space and things like that. So let's start broad and then we'll bring it in. Overall, how do you think the office environment may change in light of everything that's going on lately?
1: Well, I think, I guess if you're talking about the physical office environment or the economic, like the the, the, the lease structures, So let's have uh, fun
0: and do both.
1: Yeah. So I guess we we'll first start off just the way that we negotiate on commercial real estate and the way that we think about lease terms, um, you know, uh, you know, my firm and myself are hundred percent just focused on representing occupiers of office space. You know, we'd never represent landlords or anything, but, um, I, I think it's, it's one of those industries where it has been slow to adapt to the times and it's kind of almost a joke in the industry that everybody knows that it's just a, uh, a little bit outdated. And even some of my clients kind of gripe about how outdated it is. So I think, you know, going forward, what we'll see is, uh, more flexibility when it comes to office leasing. Um, you know, now most companies are locked into a, a five, seven or 10 year lease. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the future um, of office space leasing rate. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, a 10 year lease can be great for some companies, but uh, I think we're seeing more and more that the demand for flexibil- flexibility, flexibility um, is there. And um, I think landlords are going to have to, find some ways to ad- adapt to that. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the bigger changes of our, of commercial real estate is that, And you know, um, in terms of the actual physical office environment, uh, you know, take COVID away from it. I think um, people have w- woken up to the fact that e- even the way that we all work might be a, a little bit antiquated. Um, and the fact that, uh-huh. um, well, I don't know. It depends on who you are. For me, it's, it's 7am to 7pm. In the in yeah, the but uh, there are a lot of people um, that, you know, just nine to five, right? Um, Maybe that's not necessarily needed. Maybe you can work, um, you know, 10 to three and then still get home in time for your kid's soccer practice uh, or to cook dinner. Maybe that's okay because you have the technology at your fingertips, really. I mean, not, not just your laptop, but a lot of times your cell phone can do a lot of the work that you need to do. So um, I, I think that, we're going to see more flexibility both uh, just in, in how employees work and then how uh, offices are leased um but i think there's still a place for an office um you know although the shrink the footprints might be shrinking um the, the two words that i'm hearing from most of my clients are uh, we need an office because it maintains uh, our culture and our collaboration right those are the two c's that i keep hearing from all my clients tonight and, and having gone back to the office we're this is our we on our third week back into the office uh at my firm and and i can attest to that um was i quite as productive as when i was working from home with no distractions no i've, I've not been quite as productive but right I can, I mean, being able to just pop in to one of my coworkers offices and, you know, collaborate on deliverable or a quick question or problem, you know, where we don't have to set up a zoom or a phone call, uh, and then get buy-in from the guy next to us who we wouldn't have usually brought in on the phone call because, you know, just it didn't pertain to him, but maybe he has a good idea. It's, I mean, it's just been enlightening in the fact of, you know, now noticing how much energy I get from being around just such brilliant minds um, and, and that leads to another thing is 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 the mentorship opportunities that are so necessary for a lot of companies, whether it's a, a nonprofit a law firm uh, just any any organization that's you know looking to attract and retain their talent um, and, and groom that talent to be executives in one day. Um, that mentorship opportunity, I don't think that you can have over Zoom, um, or at least not to the extent that you, you can uh, when you're in the office and you see people, at least for a little bit each day.
0: I have a, uh, One of the reasons that we have this Business Creators radio show that you're listening to right now be an audio show rather than video, aside from the fact that God gave me a face for radio, fortunately, he also <laughs> gave me the voice, so at least he was consistent, is if this were video, I would be required to sit upright in my chair with my hands in front of me. And if I were wearing a jacket, I'd have to sit on the tail so that the shoulders evened out. And I'd have to find where the camera lens is and find a way to look into it. At the same time, checking to make sure I'm looking into it and people see my eyes going back and forth. And we'd have to do this like it was some kind of mainstream news program or something like that. And how oh, boring.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> now, what I've told people is not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, I'm also in the front row because we have some of the greatest people who come through in our guest lineup who share great things. And what I wouldn't want people to see is rather than having that media anchor pose, I'm taking furious notes because what our guests say to me inspires things. And what I want our listeners to recognize in the Business Creators Radio Show is – We've done our job. If you feel like you are a fly on the wall listening to a private mastermind where we exchange ideas and we come up with better solutions and better concepts than either of us could have done on our own. So, Adam, that little answer to that question inspired a bunch of things. Well, first that's good. All, first of all, um, let me ask you this and not the socially programmed actor, but the actual scientific answer, if you know it for yourself, do you consider yourself more introverted or extroverted?
1: I'm, uh, I think that there is some sort of mix between the two where there is. Uh, but, I, I, I display yeah. extroverted characteristics, but deep down inside, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% okay being very
0: introverted. Well, do you get tired or do you get excited the more you're hanging around other people? Hmm. The reason I'm bringing that up is because you mentioned the words yeah. you get from interacting with coworkers. For me, it's like, oh God, coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I don't love the people, but it's like, please don't come by my cubicle.
1: <laughs> yeah. For me, I I definitely get excited um to see people, but I am I, the way that I work, uh, and I'm a little bit infamous in our office. Is I am a, a very uh, heads down kind of guy. I could go a very yeah. long time without um, picking my head up or well, I guess my screen is up, but without looking, looking around, but um, you know, it is nice to have those breaks and I, and I do love them. I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, I, mm-hmm. I just, I'm a very focused person on, on, yeah. on, the, on the task at hand.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: so I, I, I turn when I'm in the office, so I definitely turn on my introverted hat, but when I'm out yeah. meeting people at a networking event uh, and all that, I, I, have no problem being an extrovert, but I do get a little, you know,
0: um,
1: at the end of the week after you know four or five network events, that's uh, that's a lot for me.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, and that's also a lot of logistics and everything else. Would you actually appear, at least on the surface? Uh, this is an oversimplification, but actually ambiverted, which means characteristics of both. And I brought yeah. that up because you mentioned uh, one of the values of being in an office is the opportunity to have meetings with people and see them and stuff like that, which is something that would drain me. I was involved in a startup several years ago that had acquired office space. Uh, I also had my own business, which I've been running out of the home since the very beginning. Well, actually, usually out of my balcony, although it's a little hot today to do that. (laughs) Uh, So I'm in the air conditioning for a rare change. And it was asked of me, "Well, well, how much do you plan to... Come down and spend time here in the office, and I said, "Well, we have the the weekly staff meetings, so I guess I'll come in for that. Other than that, it's just a matter of when my presence is absolutely or absolutely positively necessary." Said, but but don't you just get excited about the idea that you could just you know knock on the door? of the office right next to you and say, hey, got a sec, or maybe three or four of us get together and we say, hey, let's go in the conference room and have a meeting. And I'm thinking, this is these are the things that I don't leave my cats at home alone for. <laughs> so, so for some folks, and I just wanted to have you and I go back and forth on that, because it illustrates that there are different personalities that come into office spaces. There are folks out there who are rejoicing over the bug Not because they want to see people get sick or anything, but because now they don't have to commute to some office. There have been studies done, scientific studies, that have shown that, on average, the typical person working from 9 to 5 Monday through Friday in an office space delivers a little under three hours per day of actual productive time. The rest of it is breaks, drop-bys, water cooler, office politics stupid phone calls, having to fuss over emails lest you offend somebody by failing to word something properly, <laughs> uh, dealing with email chains and email hell and email, just, God, get rid of the email and all that. Uh, that's where the rest of the time goes. That was brought up because they're testing the efficacy of people working from home and figuring could they get that same two hours and 54 minutes or even more from someone working at home? So think about it. You don't have to travel anywhere. You may have kids there so you can have somebody come in for a few hours, maybe you homeschool too. So they also figured out that homeschooling is not like going to a school where you're there for the student is there for seven hours a day and they have 43 minute classes and five minutes between each class to actually homeschool a child by the majority of the models that are used for that typically takes really only a couple hours a day. So a person can put in a full work day, a full homeschool day, and still have time to go to the park and less time than it takes to do just one of the activities I mentioned above. So some folks find that working from home is helpful. And as far as the you know meeting with people, people who pay me money, uh, once they reach a certain level of being a consulting client of mine, know that they can look on my Skype and if they see my dot is green, they can type got a sec. If I have one, I'll say hit me. If I don't have one, I'll say later or hang on, I'll get back to you. And then I'll say hit me when I'm ready. So when I look at it that way, I see that there are some ways you can still have that hey let's get together for a second and it doesn't have to involve picking up a phone and dialing a bunch of numbers because Skype you literally hit a button Zoom if you have you just using your standard Zoom room you say here's a link I'm in there wait for me that sort of thing a mm-hmm. model that I'm seeing being discussed with this whole COVID thing because some folks are just going to say you know what I've gotten a taste of working from home and I'm staying here. So I don't care if you open the office or not, either you let me work from home or I've been speaking with your competitor and they're willing to let me work from home and I'll just go work for them. What are you going to do?
1: Yeah, I think uh,
0: my final thought here, and then I'm going to turn you loose is that a balance between those two things of the in-person experience versus the work from home experience Two models I'm seeing. One of which is everybody comes in for a quarterly meeting. The other is is you create sort of a hybrid where everybody comes into the office once per day, or, or one day per week, and then work from home the other four days. Or they st- and and going along with that, they may stagger it so that a percentage of the people are in the office for each of those five days, which allows for maintenance of social pro- social distancing protocols. Now. I'm going to turn you loose.
1: Yeah, I think um, what you hit on about the the time, right, Um, and and how much extra time you have while working from home, if you're only doing three hours of work, uh, work, and then uh, two hours with the kids, uh, educating them. What I've seen is some people – get that feeling of if i'm not working from the same time period um or even longer you know did you get a little bit of that guilty feeling right oh yeah you take like an hour break or so like in the middle of the day um you might not have anything pressing to do but you you know sometimes you're like well shouldn't i be doing something um and so you end up you end up working a lot more and yeah you definitely get more done i mean if i had a tracker on me um to show how much head down work I'm doing at the office from seven till um, seven, I, uh, you know, a lot of it is, you know, now that we're back at the office, a lot of it is going to be walking around a little bit. You know, I I like to take an hour, like not an hour, but like, you know, once an hour, uh, I'll I'll take a a break. I'll I'll walk around the office. I'll do a loop, say hi to people, you know, make sure my eyes can (laughs) readjust to not from not looking at my screen. Um, So you, you end up being, um, more focus and working longer, but maybe more stressful while at home because it 's just constant work and you don 't get depending what your home situation is also right um, and not everybody has uh, a luxurious home situation. I think the CEO of the company 's home office probably looks a lot different than the associates who 's probably in a one bedroom or studio apartment yeah um, on working on from their laptop on their bed um, so I think that, that, that again, it goes back to the need for flexibility because you want to balance the, 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 the ideas and the thought, and now that this whole remote working thing is out there and, and it's in the ethos, I think, um, smart companies are going to give employees the option. Uh, me personally, uh, I, I would not take a job at a company that was hundred percent remote. Um, right. So I I don't think that a company should just limit this position saying, Hey, look, this position is just a hundred percent remote. Um, you can do it from anywhere because, uh, you might not get the, and maybe it depends on what the position is, but you might not get the best candidate because the best candidate might be the kind of person who's like me, that, that wants to Mm -hmm. be up and walking around and away from the house, uh, and kind of separate, uh, um, the work life from the home life. But, uh, but you never know. Um, and that's why I think that you kinda need that flexibility. Um, I I think um sixty seven percent of workers here in the DC area that were surveyed, uh, said, said that the social interactions with their coworkers was the the leading reason that they were excited to come back to the office. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's again goes back to the collaboration. Uh and not necessarily just the work collaboration, but also the Hey, it's um, it's six o'clock. Let's uh, let's go out and get a let's go out and get a drink. Uh, let's you know go catch up and, and learn more about each other and, and develop a, a friendship, or relationship of some sort, or a mentor, a protege relationship. Um, and so that's the kind of things that when it's a forced remote work, you you miss out on. Um, but when it's a, a hybrid, um, which I think is probably where a lot of are going to go is a lot more of this hybrid where you can choose to work remotely or um, you can also come into the office. Um, the, the problem with that being is how do you fit everybody into an office and, and how, how do you balance, you know, what size office you need if one day you could have 100 people in the office and the next day you could have 20 people in the office?
0: Right. Yeah. I, again, I think we're going to be working to find these balances as time goes on. And I also believe that there are optical misperceptions or miscommunications that can happen. In my last job before I went full board with entrepreneurship, one of my roles was to manage a process that, involved, that involves three different departments of the company. And you made a point, and this is why I'm bringing this up, that even when you're really focused and you're doing what you call your heads down work, about once an hour, you need to stand up and move around. You need to have some sort of contact with somebody, whether it's uh, for a change of pace, to get a little recharge on the energy, because you have an idea you want to run it by somebody, whatever it is. And you like a little happy hour now and then, maybe you want to grab lunch with somebody, something like that. So studies have also shown that when people who work in offices have the flexibility to stand up and move around, they deliver more than two hours and 54 minutes because they get that recharge. Just like, yeah. You know, how do you charge a battery on a car? You run it. Same with a human being. Want to recharge a human being, stand them up and move them around for a little bit. That'll recharge them.
1: So, yeah, that's yeah. so true.
0: Yeah. So what you see, unfortunately, and I'm glad to see that these Attitudes are starting to attrition out to a certain degree because I dealt with this. Uh, My boss's boss, who, for reasons that I've ranted about on other episodes, was just one of the most out of touch, obtuse individuals that I've ever seen. And I think the industry has benefited from the fact that she's retired from working. Uh, I don't care if she hears this. In fact, I think. uh, Believe me, there's reasons. So I'm not, I'm going to save the rant. Go listen to some other episodes of Business Creators Radio Show. But let me just tell you the reason why this is surfacing for me. She made up these stories that everybody, and as soon as I hear everybody, I know it's usually just the person speaking, was complaining that I was never at my desk and I never answered my phone and I never answered my emails. Well, there were two things going on. Number one, even back then, I understood that about once an hour, you got to stand up and move the body around a little bit to recharge it. And if you're not capable of standing, there are other ways you can get physically involved to get that recharge going on. So I want to be clear to our listeners about that. Also, since I was working between two or three different departments to facilitate this, I you know, would take myself physically over to the other department because I didn't want people ringing my extension. I was the guy who would actually sit there and let my phone ring if I just didn't feel like answering it. I'd get these, here's a story. And I tell this in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. And I fictionalized the person's name and I called her Diana, but there is a real person who is Diana every single day. And it would happen right around 2 15 PM should try and ring in and should leave the same voicemail every day. Hi, Adam, it's Diana. Give me a call when you give it a chance well, I never got a chance. (laughs) Sometimes I'd look up 30 seconds later and she'd be standing over my cubicle wall looking down at me. I'd say, all right, you're here. What do you want? Or she'd try and catch me in the hallway and I'd say, no, I haven't had a chance. What do you want? What I was trying to convey to her is that she had already been instructed through trainings that I not only developed but facilitated that, They were supposed to be answering their questions via email to create a documentation, asking their questions via email, or not asking and answering, via email to create a documentation trail that could be referenced later. So I went a little Pavlovian, and I paid special attention to responding to her so quickly, she wondered if I was actually watching her type before she hit send. (laughs) And then after that, that started to move the, the conversations where I wanted them to be that was in line with... The process. So the reason I bring that up just has to do with, I think we're also going to see changes in the office out of necessity. Folks are seeing that the old way of measuring productivity by, well, we see that person, they're sitting upright at their cubicle. They answer every incoming call on in the second ring. They return all voicemails within 10 minutes, and they respond to all emails within five minutes. <laughs> That don't mean nothing. (laughs) Seriously. It doesn't mean anything. It's a bunch of pro forma and it creates what I also call activity to create the illusion of action. So I'm, I'd like to see a lot more of that. And one of the reasons I'm excited to interview you is because you can bring us some insights on how companies are going to manage this. But here's another thing I want to, here's another place I want to go because we're about halfway there. So have a lot of time. Um, What's gonna happen in terms of how leases are done for office space? Companies are gonna need to lower their rent expenses. They may be in situations where they're forbidden by law to have all their people even in the office. And once some of their employees get a taste of working from home, find they really like it, and then the company looks at their numbers and in the cases where it works out say, hey our numbers are up and we don't have to maintain all this physical plan but we do need some because we need to have board meetings we need to have people in once a week whatever it is how's that going to impact the leasing and rental side of office space
1: i think um first and foremost what we're seeing now is uh it's going to start with Company is doing what we call blend and extend. So um, to lower your rent expense, and then also maybe enjoy a, little, a few months of free rent, but you're not sure exactly what long-term your company wants to do. Uh, you can kind of kick, if you have a, an upcoming lease expiration date in the next year or two years or so, you can, um, you know, Negotiate with your landlord uh, or, you know, obviously your broker can negotiate with your landlord to extend the lease out, uh, maybe a shorter term, two years, five years, it depends on the size of the organization and um, and, and what that does is at least here in dc um it'll it'll bring your rent down you'll be able to get some concessions you know update your space if you wanted to kind of outfit it for uh the next generation of, of working or maybe a COVID proof space um but also yeah low, lower your rent expense um, so doing short-term extensions is going to kind of be where a lot of organizations might be uh might be headed in the the next um, 12, 24 months as they kind of this whole coronavirus uh, starts to unravel. And we kind of judge what what the new space does look like. What what do we need? Um, And and then I I think, um, you know, then from there, it's got to determine, you know, how much square footage do we need? Um, You know, as I said, if you you know, have enough square footage for a hundred people, which is, you know, maybe 30,000 square feet or, or so. Um, but you're realizing that 20 to 30% of those folks are indefinitely going to be working remotely. or even in the cases of some of my clients, it's even higher than 20 to 30%. Uh, we, I was just on the phone with a client and, and they they, they got their survey back. They, they were, they surveyed their staff and, and they had 57% of all their people that wanted to go a hundred percent remote. Yeah. So, um, you know, so does it really make sense to have that 30,000 square feet if you really need 10,000 square feet or so? Exactly. So, you know, you can get, you know, there's without getting too technical, there's some different creative ways um, that, that, we would look at that and it's kind of on a case by case basis. It would have to, it depends on a lot of different factors, but, you know, looking at, you know, can we give some of that space back? Can we sublease some of that space? You know um, you know, if you give the space back, maybe you take 10,000 square feet, but you sign on and agree to the lease space with the landlord for a longer period of time to kind of um, amortize out those costs. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's going to be changing. and, And at first, when the, pandemic first started a lot of the conversation was well are people going to be taking more space or less space you know more space so they can socially distant um or, or less point. space um but you know to be honest i think that might be that might have been a little bit of wishful thinking on the on behalf of the commercial real estate community um as the trend for COVID is you know we, we're, we're hoping we're, we're very hopeful that there's a vaccine in, in the short term the short term being within the next 12 months, um, maybe even by the end of the year. Um, you know, I don't know that people are making space decisions based purely on whether or not they should be socially distant. Um, if you were maybe in the middle of the space search right now and you decided, Hey, we'll take on a few extra square feet um, so people can spread out uh, possibly. But I think most companies from what I'm seeing are just electing if they don't have an appropriate, office set up for socially distant Um, they're they're electing to make changes or um, you know maybe not even return certainly not return full force until uh, you know maybe next year yeah Um, so I I think if anything you might see some companies um, shrinking a bit Um, if it's you know a drastic enough amount of their workers that want to be working remotely full time, like not just for the next 12 months, but for the next five years, Um, you know, then you might see some companies that are are drastically shrinking their space. But, um, and that also obviously helps economics. Um, But uh, like I said, the, you know, the, 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 the hairy part is, you know, how do you balance it? If you have, you know, space that can comfortably hold say 20 people, but you have a hundred employees that kind of, Are wishy-washy on whether or not they want to uh, come into the office. So that'll be interesting to see, Um, and and that's the challenge that we're we're working with um, some of our clients now is to figure out, okay, what's an appropriate space size if you have people that want to come in, you know, 20% of the time, you know, how much space do you allocate to them? What does their space look like? Is it a shared office with another coworker who's going to be in another 20% of the time? Is it a workstation? You know, how do we most appropriately lay that out based on, on the floor plan that, that the building has? Um, so that's, that's a fun challenge that, that is kind of, again, um, dependent on each company and, and how they
0: work and how they plan to work in the future. Wow. That is a lot to think about. <laughs> and as i mentioned, I'm not only the host, I'm in the front row taking notes on this. I was familiar with the idea that they may want bigger spaces because they want to spread people out, which goes back to why they were looking at the, and are looking at the staggered model where people come in on a designated day. So they have no more than 20% of their workforce in the office, but they get to come in once a week. So that's all well and good, but now you're adding some different layers to this and things that people are thinking about and plus I would also mention what would they might they decide they need physical plant for anyway they may have entire departments working from home 100% so all they need is a meeting room where they can have the quarterly meeting or what have you and what they will need is space for the IT because if you have remote workers Now you have to maintain servers and you need to have people in there making sure that certain privacy and security things are in place. For some companies, it's required that any work done for that company, especially when you get into things like HIPAA or certain protocols around the financial services industry need to have different and extended layers of security, which can be realized through having them log into a specific network, having specific softwares on the computer they're using for work. So now you have have 100 people working from home, which means you have 100 of your company's computers in those 100 homes. And you got to manage that centrally. So you might actually need more space to make that happen. And you may need to have more people coming in to do that because some of the IT work has to be done on site. You can rotate uh, you know, who comes in on which day, and maybe there are some functions of IT such as general, uh, how do I log in and how do I check my email type customer service that can be handled through live chat, somebody sitting at home, but there are a lot of variables there. And I think what I'm really getting out of this is that as we try and find our way to the solution, we're going to discover that every company is unique.
1: Yeah. And you know, you throw in, uh, government contractors as well. That's yeah. a major industry here in the DC area, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's sometimes a worker can work from home, but, uh, other times they need to be in their office or in a secure facility, like a skiff, which is a special room that, um, you know, uh, is designed for really top secret secure work. Yeah. Um, so, that that's they're again a little bit different. Um, you know, in if a company wants to shrink their footprint, or most importantly, their their expense. You know, I'll throw one more at you. One more scenario that you could look into, which is um, here in the D.C. area. Um, obviously, downtown D.C. rental rates are uh, the highest, and they're they're pretty high. They can get up to. Um, 60 70 dollars it could even be even more than that per square foot whereas in the suburbs you know we can get rents in the 20 to 30 dollars a square foot so maybe have an up an office in dc and then also a a smaller office in in suburban maryland and in suburban virginia Uh, your overall rent expense is still much lower because those two other offices where your employees in northern virginia and your employees that live in maryland uh, can go to check in, you know, a couple times a week and still get that feeling of being in an office, but also can still work remotely. You cut down on their commute time, which is what they want anyways. Yes. Um, right. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have to go into the city. You can, your office now becomes, you know, your, your, your company now has a small satellite office, which is much cheaper than their huge office that they were going to lease in downtown. Um, now they've got a small satellite office in, in, in suburban Maryland or Virginia. Um, and you can come in one day, two days a week and the company still saves a lot of money and
0: everybody kind of, uh, uh, gets a little bit happier. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. And that's another one that hadn't crossed my mind is you don't have to have them all in the same office. So you could potentially trade off on having, uh, an entire building lease or an entire floor lease, there may be some folks who need may need to report to the central location because you're dealing with top secret information like skiffs and things like that. And we also know that our entire conversation does not necessarily pertain to certain things where there's no way they could do it from home. Like for example, the companies that deal with restoring crashed hard drives, like drive savers would be an example of this and I know cuz I've had to send hard drives to them twice over the years. <laughs> is that uh they need to do that work, and here are just some of the protocols. It has to be in a dust-free environment, and I don't mean somebody comes in every day and runs a feather duster, I mean no dust, mm-hmm. which means they are covered in bodysuits. Anybody's complaining about wearing a mask to go to the grocery store, that they should try. <laughs> working at drive savers for five minutes and see what kind of face covering they have to have. So when I say no dust, I mean, no dust. And that includes the dust that comes naturally off your skin over the course of a day. That's what we mean by no dust. Second of all, if you need to send, and I'm just mentioning drive savers, cause they're the, they're the company I'm familiar with and they do great work. If you have to send your hard drive, the drive savers, because standard recovery techniques or whatever your local computer technician had the ability to do couldn't cover it now you're getting into a label forensics where you have federal government involvement which means that has to be done in a secure dust free lab those folks aren't working from home i mean on the plus side They're so covered that I don't think uh, a nuclear bomb, much less COVID, could get in. But at the same time, they can't work from home. So you're going to have to maintain a physical plan for that. But a company like that could also send all their customer service people home, or they could say, well, we found this other office space in the suburbs that we can spread out the 15 people, and we will have 10 of you in at any given time. The cool thing is, it's in the suburbs, you're not dealing with city traffic, and I have been on the Beltway, Adam, enough times to know exactly <laughs> what that means. Yeah, so exactly. I'm up, a, so I'm up in Northern Virginia or Maryland or something like that. I'm a half hour away from DC. Uh, don't have to deal with the Beltway. And oh, instead of being in some office building where the nearest place for lunch is thirty minutes away, just on the elevator to get down off the seventy-fifth floor, we're in a we're in a business park, and there are five restaurants right there. So that person's saying, wow, shorter commutes. Uh, I actually, there, there's a parking lot. I don't have to pay $13 a day to park in a garage. And if I don't want to brown bag it, I have five options within a short walking distance so I can actually spend my lunch hour having lunch and not traveling to fro.
1: It's uh yeah. And the company it, saves
0: it money be nice. besides.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, having, you know, just doing some back of the napkin kind of math, um, shrinking the downtown office space in favor of similarly sized offices in in, in suburbs is, is usually, I mean, I guess it depends on what your downtown rate is, but it it can certainly result in a, a significant savings or at least, um, a similar cost, but, uh, maybe more convenient for, for employees. So, uh, that, you know, that's an idea that's, it's out there. Um, you know, I, I just thought of it, but, it, it could certainly happen and, and maybe uh, maybe we'll see companies turn that way uh, if it makes sense for them.
0: Yeah, I also know something about this because back in 2003, I was strongly considering relocating to the Washington, D.C. area. In fact, I spent a week down there job hunting after I got my MBA and even got a couple offers and ended up turning them down because I caught the entrepreneurial bug just right at the same time. Some some. Uh, the companies i interviewed with were like downtown dc but a lot of them were actually in these little suburban areas and on the one hand i was thinking damn i wanted to be in washington dc i didn't want to be in laurel maryland but at the same or whatever but at the same Mm -hmm. time i'm thinking wow if i were down in dc it would take me three hours each way (laughs) every day i'm not sure i want that either cuz really if i'm going to live in the city of washington dc there's really only place i want to live it's on pennsylvania avenue in the in the 16 section
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe maybe uh, in november you'll be able to throw your hat in the ring <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I'll do it right now. Maybe I should start running now because yeah. unless, unless unless you're Donald Trump, you usually have to go through like four, you have to lose like four primaries over 16 years before you finally get a shot.
1: Yeah. So yeah. We'll, look, we'll look for you in, you know, eight to 16 years or so.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's see about twenty, thirty-six, give or take.
1: Yeah, that sounds All right, right, man. All right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Keep working in the area because I may want to outsource a lot of those people out of the West Wing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they need some new office. We'll, we'll get them some office space. There you o- go. Offsite office space away from Pennsylvania Avenue.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. I love. I love it. Can you get one for me too? Because I'm not sure I want to be around uh, all that all day long either. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I want to have. I want to have my own iced tea brewer, and not have to have my iced tea tested. So I just want to make it myself. We got That's a funny thing. The president's not allowed to make their own coffee.
1: Yeah, they. Well, they
0: uh, <laughs> I'm not making that up. They're not allowed to make their own coffee. Yeah,
1: they have to I, order it. I think I uh, I saw that on. Uh, did you ever see the comedians and cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld? And yep, President I saw Obama? that one.
0: Yeah, that was a great episode. Oh yeah, yeah that uh, yeah that comedians and cars that was a hilarious series. I love that. Uh, yeah, so so we have about uh, we have about ten minutes here give or take. And one other thing I wanted to get into is let's focus on you a little bit because real estate is something that is going through some tumult right now, just simply because the financial picture of this company, of this country and the world have changed so dramatically so quickly. So what are some of the things you've been doing to stay productive and have some new business opportunities happening through your experience with this COVID pandemic thing?
1: Yeah, and and it certainly has been an interesting time, but this is actually, you know, really exactly why I got into real estate, which was to solve interesting problems, to solve problems for companies when they they need it. I mean, the past four or five years or so, it's been, you know, the DC area has just had such a fantastic economy. Uh, Businesses were booming and everybody was really uh, aggressively, you know, taking on new space. And it it was a fun, fun time uh to be in commercial real estate but but now even you know the past um let's say three or four months, I guess you know I've been working on problems that we hadn't been working on before, like how do we get a tenant rent relief if they need it um you know how do we structure a downsize you know um you know how do you bring your staff back to the office uh and then read looking at the floor plan it's like. Okay, you got this million-dollar liability every year, um, but now it's not quite as valuable as it it was before. So how do we turn that liability into an asset? How do we keep your office still an asset? And and, and what changes are going to need to be made in in six months or in a year from now or in two years from now? Um, So figuring out all that kind of stuff has been – It's been a a fun challenge and kept me very busy uh, over the past three, four months. Um, And it's also open opportunities uh, for me is there's 51% of all CEOs and CFOs um, in, at least in the DC area are reconsidering their space needs and they're going to, and 60% of them said that they might shrink their footprint um, their next lease. Um, So it just means that there is so much opportunity for for me to to talk to somebody to talk to any executive who's or any decision maker uh who's who's tasked with the financial viability of their company and and to figure out um the problems yeah i mean a lot of people's revenue has been halted you know i've worked with associations where three to five million dollars a year would come from their annual conference and if that annual conference was in April, May or any time this year, basically, you know, that's three and a half million dollars, three to five million dollars that, uh, that they're not going to get. Um, so what does that mean for their bottom line and how do we figure out how to, to, to offset that decline in revenue? Um, so that's been um, what I've been working on. And, and and for me, you know, while working from home, it was a good opportunity to just improve myself in terms of being an entrepreneur and a business owner. It gave me a lot more opportunity to work on my business. Uh, although I love my team at MGA and, and, and it's a great firm. I, I, I still view my real estate practice kind of like I, I am the CEO of, of Adam Collins real estate, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so it, it was a great time to, to build my practice, build my presence, build my messaging, um, build my processes and, 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 and read and learn from my mentors. Uh, you know, every day at 12 o'clock, I got on a mastermind call, Um, For 30 minutes with the top brokers across the country and and we we talked about what's going on in their markets What problems are they solving, you know, what problems do they have, you know, how do they leverage this or that? And and so for me the past four months have been transformative in terms of uh, adjusting my business uh, and, and certainly not perfecting it, but you know, just improving uh, where I can. And it's just been kind of rejuvenating, um, this, this whole year. Uh, you know, it's, you know, a a lot of people are are sitting at home and I know that, um, they're going through tough times and, uh, you know, it was, it's certainly been tough for myself as well, but, you know, it was, I figure if I can just sink myself into, um, improving the business as, as much as I possibly could, um, Uh, there's no better time than the last four months to do that. And
0: there's no better time than the rest of this year to continue to do so. Yeah. You know, um, that's, here's another thing that, and this just occurred to me, we interviewed somebody else on the business creators radio show. In fact, I think a couple of our other guests have shared something. Let's say you have an entrepreneurial venture or what's classified as a small business and you're looking for traditional loans from a bank, which we all know that uh, ever since uh, the great recession, is basically i mean you're almost committing a criminal offense just even applying is the way you ultimately get treated because they're just looking for reasons to reject you uh and, and if they can't find one they'll just start asking you a bunch of stupid questions and delaying things until you just give up and that's a generalization but that's a story i keep hearing anyway one of the things that i've discovered that the traditional banks look for when they're considering whether to issue an unsecured loan is whether or not you have an office space. A lot of companies, uh, small business companies, where everybody works from home will get a mailbox at a UPS store or something like that so that their business has an actual business mailing address and none of that stuff is coming to their home and they're not putting their home address out there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a database that tracks all the UPS stores and all the incorporate your company and list this as its mailing address type places. And if they see you see you're using one of them, they'll just disqualify you right there. So we see people investing in co-working spaces and making the time to make a physical appearance at that co-working space at least once per week. By some of the same metrics, you're considered to actually have an office. If somebody can walk in somewhere and see your business license in a frame hanging on the wall above a space where you could sit down and do work, that's considered having an office. So you mentioned there's going to be a lot of empty space. Is that an opportunity to do something with some of that empty space?
1: Well, co-working is um – like if you're talking about like the likes of like a WeWork or, um, for,
0: yeah, something yeah. along those lines, and there are also some some local ones and some private ones too.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that they've got I don't know how much you follow WeWork, but they've got a whole a whole host of of issues going on with the company. They're doing some some large reorganization. Yeah, uh, I think in the foreseeable future, um, the co-working spaces are going to struggle um, as as kind of a result of two things one uh, the fact that there are people who are are very concerned about this virus and and, and not likely to be around um, two hundred strangers that are also working out of uh, this kind of fishbowl um, uh, but also I think um you know, you, what you're talking about is like having kind of like an executive address or something like a virtual exactly. address.
0: Yeah. See, so yeah, some something that's not like in a UPS store. Cause I said they have a database and they track that stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think um, because though that's not necessarily where they make their money. I, th- I still think that coworking can struggle um, because you know, that might be 200 bucks, but to get the actual, cause you could, you could get the same, I think you could probably get that same feature if you paid, you know uh, one of these co-working companies like 200 dollars a month but what they yeah. really want to sell you is like the two thousand dollar a month uh office space of course they um, of
0: course they do so they get you yeah. in the door and yeah they, they, you look around and you say wow i've got a high speed network um if i upgrade i can have an actual physical administrative assistant i can have a, a boardroom." Uh, you, know, you get them in there so they can see it and they and you get them to rent a piece of it so they feel a sense of ownership and they say, wow, this ain't so bad. Yeah, that's typical upsell marketing. And my question is, with all these companies that are going to be likely downgrading their footprint, that's going to leave a lot of space open in office buildings.
1: It, yeah, I think that it will. I, I think that it will, but I also think that uh, we, we, those coworking groups are also downgrading their space um, we yeah. just saw we give back 115 thousand square feet in Manhattan they just gave back 69 thousand square feet in Baltimore um, so we're seeing them give back space and they're probably going to be more and more space that they're giving back um, as a result of, of lower demand because what I, I, I think that it, that might be considered a bit of a luxury good depending on what the business is. If I'm a business owner, I'm starting up, I'm a solopreneur uh, and you know, the first thing that I'm gonna do is to cut my office space expense, cause it's just me that I can go yeah. on. Um, so it depends when this economy bounces back. If this economy bounced, were to bounce back by like, let's just be incredibly optimistic by like 60 days from now, right? Then maybe I'll, I'll go back. But if I continue to get used to working from home, it might be I might be sluggish to then go out and and spend you know, five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month on on um, my own office space just for myself. You know, it yeah. might be considered a bit of a luxury good. So, you know, that might that might lag another twelve or eighteen months uh, until I'm like I, until I feel like all right, I need to bring on another employee or there's something about working from home that really just starts to get to the point where I need to have my own space. So when I talk to co working groups and I've talked to a few owners of different coworking spaces, they're seeing a lot of their staff or a lot of their uh, membership um downgrade from the actual office to just having the mailing address, um, which which has uh been hurting them, uh, obviously. Yeah.
0: Well, you know what? I mean, I'm just seeing a lot of changes along the line. I'm I'm, I'm gonna turn the floor over to you in one second because I think people do need to speak with you urgently if this is something they're either in or considering being in. I just wanna end on a rhetorical question. We're gonna have all this empty space in all these buildings and you being in real estate know full well that if you have empty space, it starts to deteriorate on its own so it could eventually become a sunk thing. can we solve the homeless problem? I mean, uh, I'm just asking that rhetorically. I don't wanna get into the analysis because we don't have time. I mean, you know full well that if you have a house that hasn't been lived in in a year, unless you have people moving in and out of there and activity happening every once in a while, the paint starts peeling off the walls, and little things just start breaking. That's how these abandoned houses turn into hellholes. Basically, it's just the nature of how things are. That's going to start happening, where you can have the sixth floor, which is occupied just fine, and the seventh floor, which was left empty for eighteen months, with uh, towels falling all the ceiling and paint peeling off the walls and mold growing, just because it's been left to its natural state. Which uh, have other uses for that space. So now, what I want to do is turn the floor over to you for one minute. Uh, anybody leaning forward who's listening, either live or on any of our streaming services, is curious about this. Wants to discover more and work with an expert. Adam, how do people get a hold of you, and what do they have to look forward to when they do?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, is where I share a lot of uh, uh, commercial real estate news, mostly. Um, Trends of office space uh, here in the DC area, but also um, trends that happen globally, or or at least countrywide. Um, So you can follow me at Adam Collins on LinkedIn. of the, the commercial real estate professional there. You can add me, uh, you can email me. Uh, I do have a newsletter that goes out um, as often as I can get it to go out a, a once or twice a month. Um, yeah. You can email me at acollins at mgaco.com. It's M is in Michael, G is in Goldman, and A is as in Associates, mgaco.com. Uh, and I will certainly add you to my email list. Um, uh, or you can give me a call, which is, uh, uh, let's see. Two zero two six two seven one seven four one, 627 1741 and, and uh, happy to chat if anybody has a commercial real estate question or, or knows somebody that has a commercial real estate question uh, you know I, I will answer to the best of my abilities or point you in the right direction
0: all right well thank you so much Adam Collins my fellow Penn Stater I want to thank you so much for being with us today it's been an honor and an education
1: thank you so much for having me I had a, I had a
0: blast We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.